Welcome to the Sunny Hill podcast. This message was recorded at our Ferndown campus. For more information about service times and locations, please visit sunnyhill.church. These guys for three years, and we all know what a great guy Jesus was. He did amazing things. And these, uh, his apostles, his followers, would have really kind of looked up to him and, and become friends with him and, and knew him. They'd eaten with him. They'd traveled with him. They'd seen all this amazing stuff with him. And now Jesus is saying, I'm going away, and it's to your advantage that I go. And I can imagine being one of the disciples going, well, that's a bit odd. You're my, you're my mate. You're my friend. How can that be good for us? How can it be better if you go? And then Jesus obviously explains. He said, because when I go, I'm going to send someone better. I'm going to send someone actually who you need for the next bit, for the next phase. Something, whereas, you know, Jesus, he, he was brilliant. He did all those uh, miracles. He healed people. He delivered people. He turned the region that he lived in upside down. But now we needed someone who was going to turn the world upside down, actually. And so he said, actually, it's to your advantage that I go you just wait. You just wait. You have no idea what's coming. Now, I'm not sure if we really get this. I certainly, when I read that, I thought, gosh, it doesn't feel like that. I don't, I don't have a sense that I feel that, that advantage potential when I'm, when I'm living my life with the Holy Spirit. And so that's what I want us to do through this series, is to, is to work out, is to try and think, okay, well, what is the Holy Spirit going to be to us and how can we live with that advantage? How can we live with the advantage of the Holy Spirit moving in us? In a way, it's easy for us to understand the nature of God the Father and the nature of Jesus the Son. But I want to understand his whole nature. I heard a story of a, of a, of a guy who decided he wanted, you know, he wanted to get to know the nature of, of God a bit more. And so he asked God, he was praying, he said, God, how long... Is a million years to you? And God's answer came quickly. A million years, uh, sorry, a million years, that's my God voice, is like a day. I was like, wow, that's pretty impressive. And so he says again, well, God, how much, let's say, is a, a million pounds to you? And God replied, a million pounds is like a penny. And the man says, wow, that's amazing. And he, and he starts to get a bit clever. He goes, okay, I know what to do. He says, God, God, can I have a penny? And God replied, yes, in a day. <laughs> yeah, I know, I shouldn't have gone there. I want us to understand the nature of the, the whole nature of God. And I want to understand particularly better the nature of God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And that's what this series is all about building our relationship with the Holy Spirit that we might get to feel that fresh air, that fresh air, that breeze, that wind of the Holy Spirit operating in us and through us in our everyday, everyday lives. I'm just going to pray and then we're going to crack into this. Lord God, we are here. This is an incredible moment. We may never have this same group of people in this same room ever again, but we are here now, and you are here. And Father, I pray that you would open our hearts and minds to receive the word that you have for us this morning. Lord, give me the wisdom to speak your words, and give all of us the ears to listen to the message 
that you have to, as we unpack scripture, as we open the Bible, that it might become real and alive and we might leave different to how we've arrived. Jesus, we ask this in your name. Amen. 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 So right before he died, Jesus tells his followers, I've got to go, but I'm going to send you something or someone even better. And then something really amazing takes place. And this is pretty incredible. Um, And I'm going to spend a few minutes just looking at some things from Scripture. And I hope you get excited about this, as I I was, as I was looking at it. So, um, Jesus, as you probably know, on that last day, when he's saying these words, is celebrating the Feast of Passover. He's with his disciples, and they've got into this room. They're celebrating Passover uh, together. Jesus knows he's about to die. And Passover is one of a number of uh, Hebrew Jewish celebrations, feasts, uh, institutions, if you like, from the Old Testament, from the Old Covenant. And uh, on Passover, um, they uh, celebrate the children of Israel who were slaves, enslaved in Egypt. God was like, that's not good. I don't, that's, it's time for that to finish. And so he sent, you've probably seen the movie Prince of Egypt. He sent 10 plagues, the last of which was quite severe. He said, I'm going to, he said the, the firstborn male of all your households are going to die. But for the children of Israel, he said, if you, what you need to do is you need to uh, sacrifice a lamb and paint the blood of that lamb across, the, across your uh, doorframe. You're up, you're, uh, the up and down, and the long at the top of the wooden of your doorframe. And then the angel of death will pass your home by, and you will be saved. So that's what they celebrate. And then at the end of that, and they were saved, and they came out of Egypt, God said, you need to remember what I did on this day. You need to remember every single year on this day, which happens, I think, it's sort of like the 14th day of the first month of the Jewish calendar, they celebrate uh, Passover. Um, but Passover is also the start of another celebration as well. Because the day Passover starts, they celebrate, there's a seven-day feast called the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which starts on Passover. Now, the Feast of Unleavened Bread is celebrating the promise that the sins of mankind will be taken away. So unleavened bread, oh, it's bread without any yeast in it, and the taking away of the yeast symbolizes taking away of the sin. So you have Passover, you also have at that time the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And then there's another feast that they have at the same time, which is the Sunday following Passover. They celebrate the Feast of what's called First Fruits. Now they celebrate the Feast of First Fruits is always on the Sunday following Passover. And this is to celebrate the harvest and to celebrate the new life that God brings. So we've got the three feasts, Passover, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, and you've got the Feast of of first fruits. And then there's one more feast which comes 50 days after the feast of first fruits, which is the uh, feast of Pentecost, and uh, where they celebrate the giving of the law uh, on Mount Sinai. So let's look at the year we're talking about when Jesus is saying this. It's around about AD 30. Okay, Jesus is in the room with them. Uh, they've been uh, celebrating Passover. And then we've got this kind of triple whammy going on Right there and then. So we know that when Jesus went to the cross, he was our Passover lamb sacrificed for us. So his blood on the upright and the cross of the cross meant that the whole world was saved. It's amazing. Saved from death. And we also know that Jesus is described as the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So when he died on the cross... 
he was also fulfilling that second feast, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, taking away the sin. And many times through Scripture it tells us that uh, Jesus um, uh, uh, has dealt with sin and death. So Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Jesus has defeated sin and death. So essentially he's fulfilling the Feast of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. And then right on cue, uh, three days later on that next Sunday after Passover, the one that we call Easter Sunday, where they celebrate the Feast of First Fruits, we know that Jesus rises again. He's resurrected. And Paul says in his letter to the church in Corinth, in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead. He is the first fruits of a great harvest of all who have died. And so Jesus fulfills these three feasts in one weekend. In Matthew 5, he actually said uh, this great statement. He said, I didn't come to abolish the law or the prophets. I came to fulfill them. And this is exactly what he's doing. He's fulfilling these institutions that were set up in, under the old covenant. Essentially saying, you're never going to need to do this anymore. These have now been completely fulfilled. Now, you don't need to c- celebrate these feasts anymore. Obviously, you can remember them. But actually, I have come and I have fulfilled these three feasts. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? How God just slotted everything into place to make that work. So Jesus is resurrected on Easter Sunday. And because of his resurrection, we know that gives us the promise of eternal life because he is the first fruits. And then scripture tells us for the next 40 days, He appeared with the disciples, with his followers. Many people saw him. He remained on earth and he spoke to them and teaching them about the kingdom of God. And he gave them this instruction. He said, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days, that's in 10 days, you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So right before Jesus ascends into heaven, he says, Wait here. Don't leave Jerusalem. The Holy Spirit is coming. This is the gift my father promised. Okay? And it's going to be in a few days' time. And he said, you are going to need this power. Okay? This is power. The Holy Spirit that's coming is going to help you. Because you have a purpose. He says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of of the earth because they have a mission now Jesus is saying this is your mission to be my witnesses and you're not going to be able to do it by yourselves and it's the same mission that we've got this is our mission too to be witnesses and we can't do it without the Holy Spirit in us we need the Holy Spirit to fulfill his mission and then Jesus ascended and was gone and so they followed Jesus' instructions. They waited in Jerusalem. I'm sure they met every day together, encouraging each other, praying with each other, comforting one another, doing what Jesus said, which was to wait. Wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait for the power that was to come. And this is now, obviously, he was there for 40 days, and then he left, and then it's been 10 more days, which is 50 days, and we come to that fourth feast, which is Pentecost. Okay, this feast where they celebrate giving the law on Mount Sinai. And now I'm going to read you uh, a big chunk of scripture now from Acts 2. I haven't got it on the screen because it was just too much. Uh, but So listen up. Are you sitting comfortably? I love this passage of scripture. It says, When the day of Pentecost came, 
They were all together in one place. Suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a great crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea, Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, Egypt, parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, Cretans and Arabs, we hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? What, what is this? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they've just had too much wine. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> you wait till three. No, 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 he doesn't say that. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken of by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God said, I will pour out my spirit on all people. On all people. And he goes on. And he quotes from the prophets. And he quotes from the Psalms. And he brings in King David. And he talks about Jesus coming down. And Jesus' death and the resurrection. And he talks about the crowd's part in that. And then he says, When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart. And said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent. And be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. That's you and me, by the way. The promise was not just for the apostles there and then. He said it was for their children and for everybody else who came after those who accepted his message were baptized, it says, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. I really love reading that account of the Holy Spirit coming. It's saturated with the power of God. It's saturated with the advantage that God, that the Holy Spirit gives them. And this is what Pentecost is all about, the power to make a difference. Remember that Jesus has already fulfilled those three earlier feasts, those celebrations, now let's look at Pentecost when the Jews celebrated the giving of the law. I don't know if you know this story in Exodus when Moses goes up the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. Uh, there's a number of things uh, happen. It says, a cloud descended with loud noise and fire on the mountain. He tells us that he wrote, the law was written on tablets of stone. And if you know the story, you probably know that on that day, um, Moses has been up the mountain for 40 days. The people start to think, oh, he's not coming back. And what they do is they make this golden calf and start to worship this golden image instead of God. They reject God. And on that day, obviously the judgment comes and it says 3,000 
of the Israelites are killed on that day because of that. Now let's look what happens on the day of Pentecost. The Holy Spirit descends with a loud sound and fire. The Bible tells us that the law is no longer written on tablets of stone. It's written on our hearts because we have the Holy Spirit in us. And he also says that 3,000 people get saved. Instead of 3,000 dying, 3,000 brought to life. That's the difference between law and grace. That's the difference between the old covenant and the new covenant. This is Jesus, again, sending the Holy Spirit to fulfill this celebration of Pentecost. It's brilliant. A famous Hollywood director once said that for a movie to be successful, it needs to start with an earthquake and then work up to a climax. (laughs) We don't have an earthquake here on this day of Pentecost, but we do have the sound of a violent wind. Now, ordinarily, I wouldn't want to hear any violent wind coming from this room right now, from any of you. Particularly if there are tongues of fire present. I heard a brilliant news article recently, and I'm going to share it with you. It's just a funny story. Um, it was about a Dutch vet who um, was fined 200 pounds for burning down a farm in the Netherlands. See, what happened was this farmer thought his cow was dying and he called the vet and the vet came and examined the cow and said, no, 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 your cow's not dying. He's just got an upset stomach and he's passing a lot of gas. And then to prove his point, he he takes his cigarette lighter and he he lights the gas. And the cow goes off on a rampage, setting fire to bales of hay. I love what it said in the the article. It said it becomes a four-legged flamethrower, running wild. And he said, damage to the farm was assessed at £65,000, but the cow was unharmed. <laughs> so, let's get back to it. Uh, stay with me. We've got this, this wind, this loud sound and fire. We've got these various languages. We've got uh, the boldness that the Holy Spirit brought onto the apostles. And we've got Peter, who a few weeks earlier was denying even knowing Jesus. And now he's transformed to this new spirit-filled Peter 2.1. Peter 2.1. The change is supernatural. And it's God working through him and working through the other apostles. Peter's now remembering and quoting all these relevant scriptures. He's leading the other believers and together they start this. They start the church. That's 2,000 years later, is still going strong. Man, that Holy Spirit is something isn't it? With the Holy Spirit in us, we've got the potential to be so much more than we know. The power of God available to us through the Holy Spirit is in us to accomplish the mission that we've been given. Now, everything that Jesus did, everything that Jesus himself did, the healing, the deliverances, the raising from the dead, you don't think he did that because he was the Son of God, do you? Because he didn't. He didn't do all these things because he was the Son of God. He did them in the power of the Holy Spirit. He did them in that same power that is in us. Don't take my word for it. This is what Jesus said. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these. Why? Because I am going to the Father. And what happens when he goes to the Father? He sends the Holy Spirit. He's saying, this same power that was in me 
is going to be in you. You have access to the same power that I have, the Holy Spirit that enabled me to do all these things that I did. You can do too. I really think we need to understand this potential. It's a game changer. So, three things very quickly, the way the Holy Spirit, um, what the Holy Spirit does in us. First of all, the Holy Spirit transforms us. In 2 Corinthians, Paul writes, Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. I know it's kind of some high language there, unveiled faces contemplating the Lord's glory. That's, again, that's just a reference to the old covenant, to Moses having been in the presence of God, having to cover his face because the people couldn't look at him because the glory in his face was so strong. And Jesus saying, no, 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 that, not anymore. Okay, we get to see the glory. We don't have to have these veiled faces anymore to contemplate the Lord's glory. And where, does it, where are we transformed from? It comes from the Lord who is the Spirit, the Holy Spirit transforms us. And it's not a one-time transformation. It's an ongoing change. It doesn't have, okay, well, I've given my life to Jesus. I am now, whoop do do I am all there. I've made it, okay? I've transformed. I'm done. No, no, no. This is a process that will last until the day we die, until the day we're glorified with God. We're being sanctified. We're being changed. We're being transformed. This is a daily process. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And I really want us to, to live, I want the whole of this church, this congregation, to live in the freedom that comes from walking in the Spirit, submitting to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit transforming the way we think, transforming the way we act, transforming the way we speak. I really want more of that for me and for you. So he transforms us. He also teaches us. The Holy Spirit uh, teaches us. So John 14 says, But when the Father sends the counselor as my representative, and by the counselor I mean the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and remind you of everything I myself have told you. So part of the Holy Spirit's role in us is to teach us. How, what is he to teach us? Everything. He's going to teach us all things. So on the day of Pentecost, we've already seen that Peter, who was known to be this guy with foot-in-mouth disease, he was just putting his foot in it all the time, suddenly becomes articulate. He's quoting scripture, quoting the prophet Joel, uh, quoting the Psalms, quoting uh, David. He's empowered by the Holy Spirit, and he's suddenly got this authority in him to teach the people. And he's remembering scriptures, remembering all these things. If you're someone who, who struggles to remember the Bible, if you're someone who struggles to remember Scripture, when you read the Bible, in your daily devotions, when you open the Word and read whatever you read, why not start with a simple prayer? Something like, Holy Spirit, reveal new truths to me today as I read your Word and help me to remember what I read, that it might benefit me and benefit everyone I encounter. Why not start with a prayer like that? That's the Holy Spirit's job, to help you remember. And he'll do it if you ask him, if you walk with him. I know that when I've been in tune with the Holy Spirit and I'm kind of 
talking with someone and trying to give someone good counsel, often a scripture will come into my mind. I'm like, where did that come from? And I know where it came from. It came from the Holy Spirit. That's his role. So he transforms us. He teaches us. He directs us. The Holy Spirit directs us. John 16, again, Jesus talking. But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you. He will guide you into all truth. We all know how much easier it was getting from one place to another since the invention of satnav. Who loves satnav? I love satnav. Sat satellite navigation is brilliant. Um, do you remember the days of pulling over in the car, opening the window to ask a stranger for directions, and they would say something like, "Oh yeah, 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 you yeah. second left." Third right, straight across the roundabout, left at the bridge, past the King's Arms, under the tunnel, then take the third on the right. If you turn left then, you're there. And you're like going, no chance. What was the first one again? Second left, yeah, I'll do that and then I'll ask someone else. <laughs> yeah, that's what we used to do. Kids, you have no idea. That was our life. You just ask somebody and then just get lost. Now we all have... Tom Tom or maps on our smartphones. We don't have to pre-plan routes anymore. We just put in the postcode and that will tell me where I need to go and how to get there. Satnav was a great invention. I'm sure it saved so many marriages. <laughs> I'm sure it saved the amount of arguments in those front seats, kids, we used to have. So the Bible, I think, is a bit like Satnav. The Bible is like Satnav. You read the Word of God and it gives us instructions for living our life. And it's brilliant. It tells us how to get where we want to go. And then, of course, the next development from Satnav was something called Tom Tom Traffic. Tom Tom Traffic, which was uh, a, a system where you got real time traffic updates and it changed your route depending on the conditions of the road, what was happening on the road, which is even. Better, this is like brilliant. And if the Bible is like Satnav, I think the Holy Spirit is like traffic. It's like that real-time updates. And we need both. We need the, the, the Bible telling us which way to go and then the Holy Spirit helping us navigate all those issues that crop up on the way, on the journey. Something happens today and, and it throws you, but the Holy Spirit will there to navigate you through that, maybe change the course of your life. Uh, Isaiah 30, verse 21. I love this verse. Whether you turn to the right or to the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way. Walk in it. This is the way. Walk in it. That's the way to go. And what the prophet Isaiah, this was 700 years before Jesus. Isaiah is prophesying about the coming of the Holy Spirit saying, you're going to have this voice saying to you, this is the right way to go. Walk in it. And you know there are so many voices bombarding us all the time, telling us what the world says is the way we should go, how we should deal with situations. But what we need really is the Holy Spirit to help us make wise decisions, even if at times it looks like foolishness. I know I've shared this story before, but I'm going to share it again. It's a good story. Um, after I left college, I started working for the Royal Bank of Scotland. 
I was a musician. I'd just done a kind of music degree, and I wanted to be a musician, but I started working for a bank because it was a job, and it was money, and I was getting married, and we were buying a house, and I needed a mortgage, so I got to work for the Royal Bank of Scotland, and I did that for a number of years. And then at the right time, that voice came to me and said, it's now time for you to hand in your notice at the bank and become a musician or work in music. I'm like, okay. I recognized that voice and I spoke to my wife. I said, I think God's saying that it's time for me to hand in my notice. And she's like, do it. So I did. Six weeks notice I gave. Um, and then I did what any sensible person would do is I started to look for another job. In music. So I got this list of about 120 companies I found in London that dealt in various aspects of music, and I wrote a letter to every single one that was different to everyone because they were all different companies. And I got these envelopes, and I addressed all the envelopes, and I got a stamp, and I put stamps on, and I had this box full of letters ready to go that evening. And then that night, God spoke to me and said, If you send those letters, Who's going to get the glory? And I said, well, a little bit of you, but mostly me. <laughs> and he said, I want to get all the glory. I'm like, okay. He said, you know what to do. So the following morning, I took that box of letters and I threw it in the bin. I'm like, okay, God. That's the voice. This is the way. Walk in it. This is the way. Walk in it. And then five weeks to go, nothing. Four weeks to go, still no job. Three weeks to go, still nothing on the horizon. Two weeks to go, zilch. One week to go, God, I've still got the mortgage to pay next month and I haven't got a thing yet. My job finishes this coming Thursday and I've got nothing. Two days to go. Fru is on a train and she, uh, coming back from London and she meets an acquaintance of ours, some we didn't know very well, who starts telling her about his music company and how he's looking for somebody to help him run his keyboard business. And she comes home and tells me, that night I go and see him. Two days later, I find myself on a plane to Frankfurt with a new company car and, and uh, going to the biggest in the world. Next 12 years working as, a self uh, working as a musician or composer, all sorts of other things. God was faithful. Who got the glory? <laughs> Certainly not me. This is the way. Walk in it. That's the Holy Spirit. He's there to direct us, to guide our path when we need it. Gideon, would you mind coming up? The Holy Spirit transforms us. The Holy Spirit teaches us. And the Holy Spirit directs us. I could have gone on and on. The Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit comforts us and counsels us and intercedes for us. The Holy Spirit guides us. He convicts us of our righteousness. The Holy Spirit reminds us that we are not slaves but sons and daughters. The Holy Spirit tells us that we have an inheritance. In fact, the Holy Spirit is our seal for our inheritance. He breathes life into us. The Holy Spirit works through us to bring value to the people that we encounter. The Holy Spirit... Uh, grows fruit in us. He grows love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. The Holy Spirit equips us with special gifts so that we can fulfill the mission that he's given us to fulfill. The Holy Spirit is a breath of fresh air. 
The Holy Spirit gives us an advantage that we need. It's not an advantage over other people. It's advantage over ourselves. He makes me better than me. We need the Holy Spirit. And we won't truly understand the benefits that the Holy Spirit brings until we get to that point where we are regularly saying, fill me again, fill me again. I need more of you, God. I need more of the Holy Spirit. I want to know that advantage even more. When I was a student, I had this old banger of a car. I bought it for 150 pounds. It was brilliant. I loved it. But it got to the point where it wouldn't start anymore. And I had no clue about cars at all. But what I worked out was I could jump start it. So what I would do, every time I went somewhere, I would park the car at the top of a hill. Do you remember? I would park it, I'd have to make sure I parked on an incline so that when I got back to the car, I would take the handbrake off, run along it for a couple of seconds, jump in, and at the right time, jump start it. You know, do you remember jump start? You put it into gear and then quickly press on the accelerator and lift up the clutch. If anybody had an old car, you don't do that anymore with modern cars. This is what we used to live with. And I did this for weeks and months. And then one day I remember a friend coming to me saying, I think it's your battery. And he went to a scrap merchant, spent fiver on a battery, and in two minutes he'd swap my battery, started straight away. For months I'd been doing this thing. And we do this, we live beneath our privilege. We get used to it. We get used to living without the advantage. And it's there for us. And it's not difficult. We just have to ask. We just have to ask. One more scripture and then I'm done. Ephesians chapter 5, Paul writing to the Ephesian church says this, So be careful how you live, not as fools, but as those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity for doing good in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but try to understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. Instead, let, 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 it's up to you, let the Holy Spirit fill and control you. And that word fill is an interesting word. The Greek word is uh, pleru, and it just mean, it means to fill, but it also means to fulfill or to complete. Let the Holy Spirit fulfill you. Let the Holy Spirit complete you. Without him, you are not complete. You remember right at the very beginning of creation, God kneels down in front of Adam and breathes his life into him. And then that was lost when we had sin in the garden, you know the story. It's there for us again. And without the Holy Spirit, we are not complete. We are not fulfilled. Let the Holy Spirit fill you and control you. Amen.